Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. G'day and welcome to The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Thursday, the 5th of January, also Super Buy January. We'll get into that in just a moment. First to our guests on today's show, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Welcome to you both. Happy New Year, David. Um, interesting start to the to the new year. With um, look, obviously volumes are going to be low, aren't they? Given you know a lot of people are still on holidays uh, for most of January, I guess. Yes. Um, you know we've had the latest uh, Fed minutes out of the states um, and concerns, obviously about global economic recession yeah how are we poised as far as equities are concerned do you think well that's good that's the big question i think there's a question mark about um you know i think everybody's expecting a slowdown economic slowdown globally uh, how much of a slowdown is the big question um you know we've got the cpi numbers in the u.s coming out on january the 14th you've got the jobs number uh this friday mm. uh that's a key number but you know what's in favor of the markets right now is the bond yields are actually low you know the the long-term bond yields bond yields in the u.s have been declining and you're seeing the oil price come down so that's a major inflationary factor so i'm actually uh, quite optimistic that the cpi number is going to be better than expected so i wouldn't be surprised if we get a short sharp rally but the biggest concern is u.s corporate earnings mm. for the for the december quarter i think there's going to be a few surprises there so, uh, but our market, in terms of relative value, I mean, we're, we're quite undervalued <coughs> here and on low earnings multiples. So I see a lot of value in our market, but there's a few question marks, for, especially for this half of the year, first half of this year, and keeping your eye on corporate, US corporate earnings and the CPI number, they're, they're the big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Grady, what are your thoughts just in how to approach, I guess particularly, as David mentioned there, concerns about the first six months at least of this year. Yeah, the first six months, I think at the moment we can't really take what's happening in the market as the forecast for what's going to happen this year because, as you said, low trading volumes. A lot of people are still on holiday. We've got the hangover from 2022 happening. So I think the first six months will be determined by exactly what David said, the corporate earnings out of the US in February, obviously quarterly earnings season, and uh, every all the CPI data, um, Fed's minutes, uh, what the RBA is going to do. So we just don't know. It's actually, I think it's a month-by-month scenario just exactly exactly as 2022 was. So you can't be looking too far forward at this point in time as markets are still very volatile and are still shaky from last year. All right. Well, let's see if uh, any of our stocks today are worthwhile buys or in fact sells as we uh, contemplate our portfolios as we head into the beginning of the year. Uh, the first five stocks we're going to take a look at. Xtech, Cos- uh, Cobram Estate Olives, Latin Resources, Sezzle and Red Dirt Metals. Now, 
just as far as our stock of the day, we're going to go for the super buy. This is what we're doing over January, just um, looking at asking our experts to come up with uh, a stock they regard as a screaming buy at this point. And Grady, you've picked Arafura Rare Earths. What's that? Arafura Rare Earths is cashed up and ready to start 2023 on a big high. So following recent um, $133 million capital raise in which Gina Reinhardt's Hancock prospecting gained a 10% interest in through investing $60 million. Now, having that name on your company investment as an investor in your company is a massive name to have, especially in the mining industry. And as we know, the Nolans prospect is significantly advanced in the binding offtake of 34%. So 2023 is looking to be the year of critical milestones for ARU, so including securing a further 51% of production under binding offtake agreements and leading into the final investment decision in March 2023 and securing that final $1.7 billion in funding with a targeted final close in mid-CY23. Now, we know that rare earths projects such as the Nolans project continue to be supported by growing demand. As we know, lithium was the darling of 2022 and with the outlook for lithium looking a little bit shaky into effort into 2023 rare earths are needed in uh, electric vehicles as well so the uh, the need for this and the growing demand for electric vehicles uh says that this this company and this project in the nolan's project is in a really well positioned um to capitalize this year on the growing demand for evs around the world so aru is my pick for this year grady um do you have a target price there at all the target price is $0.70, cents, so it's actually been increased from mm. 64 to $0.70 cents recently. All right, good one. That's certainly one to consider. Um, David, similarly, you're also looking at the resources space at the moment mm. with uh, New Century Zinc. Yes, NCZ. Uh, <laughs> the valuation is very compelling down here. If you look at the chart, it's not a pretty look. Uh, it's been trending down since last year, or since 2021 where it had a peak of $4. Um, it's back at the COVID lows in 2020, um, around March at uh, $0.85 cents at the moment. Now that gives it a market capitalization at $0.85. Cents. This is the one of the top 15 zinc producers in the world in Queensland. Uh, their mine up there, at the, the New Century Mine. Um, it's been operating for decades and they've got um, um, production out to 2030. They're producing about 130, 140,000 tonnes of zinc that's increasing to about 200,000 tonnes by 2025. As I said, they've got production up to 2030. But the, the thing is about the valuation coming back to that again, um, it's 130 million market cap they had in the bank at the end of September, just under 109 million in the bank. So, you know, basically there's no valuation for their zinc production operations, but let alone they've also got the Mount Lyle copper mine in Tasmania where they're looking mm. at restarting and there'll be a pre-feasibility study coming out that is expected by the end of last year. Um, I'm expecting it'll come out this month on the restart of the Mount Lyra copper mine. That's a multi-decade green copper project uh, with um, where they'll have the, the power be provided by hydroelectric, but also uh, gold as well. They've just got under a million ounces of gold. So, you know, there's no valuation given at all. Four independent brokers have an average price target of the stock um, you can go and look at their website of $4 is the average price target. Mm. So a compelling value down here at 85 cents. No valuation given whatsoever for their zinc production, yeah. um, you know, which is producing 25 to 30 million positive cash flow every quarter. It's, so you know, go figure. It's a very thinly traded stock and one of the biggest shareholders 
I mean, the top 20 control about 78%. And the biggest one is uh, Sylvania Stillwater, who's like the BHP in South Africa. Okay. They're a passive a shareholder at 19.9%. Mm. But uh, any positive news, you'll see a quick re-rating on this stock. But uh, Yeah, I mean, because I gather um, Australia ha- has about one-fifth of the world's zinc resources. Um, so it's obviously well-placed in that regard. But as far as demand, what zinc's used in... Yeah. Or alloys, paints, and yeah. the like, isn't it? So. And and yeah, the demand outlook and the supply equation is showing that there will be a supply deficit from twenty twenty five onwards. Right. So, so it looks very good on the on the curve for um, demand and uh, and you know supplies um, also lacking to meet that demand and for electric vehicles as well. All right, so that is another super buy to consider, New Century Zinc. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you, Frank, wanting to know about Xtech. Uh, it is a defence tech specialist, in fact, uh, recently receiving a $30 million purchase order from the um, Department of Defence in Australia for new military uh, drones. David, you would expect this is a growth area, particularly what's going on geopolitically at the moment. Absolutely. I, I've never looked at this stock before. It's the first time I've had a look at it. Um, it's a micro cap. In, what I mean by that is it's only got a market valuation of $58 million. Uh, but the thing is they had, they've got $36 million in the bank. Mm. Um, they're, they're generating positive cash flow, which is great. And they're in a low earnings multiple that I can see around six times. Um, but they've really got some great contracts. They've just signed a contract with the Australian uh, government, I believe, mm. which is, um, you know, they're prov- providing ballistics, you know, body armour, ballistics helmet- helmets, um, also tech- in their technology division, their detection optical payloads, 3D mapping, etc. But they've got a revenue forecast of $82 million this year. I mean, a stock at $58 million, uh, market cap with $36 million in the bank, it's got a very low enterprise value. I, I quite like this stock. The problem is it's very illiquid. There's only something like 120,000 shares, dollars worth of shares traded every day on average. So, you know, you wouldn't go in there guns blazing on this one. But uh, look, I rate this as, as a buy. Um, but you've got to go in, like I said, uh, you don't want to be going in trying to buy, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares in this one. It's, just, it's incremental. It's incremental. Um, but Look, I, I like the outlook of the company and it's in the right sector. Uh, it's, it's inexpensive. They've got, you know, very good growth outlook here. So, yeah, look, and they had an underlying net profit after tax for 2022 of $8.2 million. So, you know, it's good value. Tick, um, ticks a lot of boxes in that does. regard. Uh, although, Except, yeah, as you say, need to be wary that if it is fairly illiquid. Yeah. Uh, all right, Grady, uh, your thoughts? Uh, do you find it attractive? It is very attractive. It's a buy rating from Bell Potter with a price target of 95 cents per share. The company is up 140% over the last year at 58 cents a share and up 2.68% over the last five years. Now, the company has been initiated by Bell Potter recently in in, um, the analyst side, um, just because with a buy rating and a price target, as they're in the right place at the right time, as David said, we've got this war going on with Russia and Ukraine entering day 316 today. So, the, like, the company is really, really well positioned, as sad as it sounds, to capitalise on the geopolitical tensions that are escalating around the world, as we know. Um, the two divisions that they're operating, it's a really niche company, but they have expanded into both the ballistics manufacturers and the technology. So having both of those covered is really, really smart. As David said, they've got some really, really good contracts on their books. So they're expecting um, another record year this year. And the company's uh, boasts a strong contract order book. 
book with anticipating a first half revenue to be $47 million based on previously announced material contracts and $35 million in contract backlogs. So the company also has a really unique offering. The key competitive edge is that it's superior quality of lightweight, high-performance ballistics, uh, ballistics protection equipment. So in knowing this, they're really, really well positioned in this year, in this time, this day and age to really uh, benefit from the growing demand for what they're offering. Um, and as David said, $36 million in the bank. They're, they're forecasting a record year this year. So, yeah, very, very attractive stock um, at the moment. So buy rating, yeah. All right, indeed. In fact, that is another one for the Investment Committee to consider. It is a double buy for XTech. All right, well, let's go for something completely different. Cobram <laughs> Estate Olives. Uh, it is, uh, well, it farms, produces, uh, you know the brand if you if you like your, uh, your extra virgin olive oil. I think it's got about uh, 50% of the, uh, of the market in Australia, in fact. Um, I dare say, um, Grady, you, uh, if you like your olive oil, you would have bought their product. Uh, what do you think of the company? I'm sure it's in a lot of Australian households and investor households without even knowing. Now, we love this stock. It's a buy rating with a price target of $2 from Bell Potter. It is Australia's largest olive farmer and producer of extra virgin olive oil. Shares are down 25% over the last year at $1.48 a share. But the outlook for world olive consumption is actually increasing. So I had a look at this recently. And global demand is expected to reach 6.3 billion euros in 2020. It reached that in 2021, which was up 5.3%, and is expected to reach $13.77 billion um, in 2022. So the outlook for olive consumption is looking very high over the next few years, well, over the last few years. Um, the Australian crop was... Um, Weather remained volatile in 2022, as we saw across the board from mining to from agriculture to all the, every sector was really affected by the weather and La Nina weather events that we're hoping it will calm down in 2023. So it did happen, but it's not expected to have a material impact on results for Cobram Estate. Um, the cost in re recent weeks, we've seen across the board in the agricultural sector that ag chem um, and fertiliser costs are going up, but this isn't expected to be a huge cost impact for Cobram Estate olives. Um, pricing is continuing to see upward pressure or upward trend in um, Australia, particularly for the import front. And um, prices are up 42% year on year to August 2022. So the company is looking to really benefit from these, these upward price pressure with inflation over the next year and uh, weather events calming down. So it's definitely a buy rating with a price target of $2. Yeah, I think you subscribe to the adage of invest in products that you use. Uh, and yeah. why wouldn't you? Uh, all right, David, do you agree? I, I'm not giving it a buy rating. Um, it's it's a hold if mm -hmm. you've got it. Um, I, I don't like, I'd like to see uh, more uh, positive cash flow for this. The, the other thing about the olive um, production is, you know, in the agri agricultural sector is that it takes it like two years, um, whereas, you know, other agricultural products is one year. So it's pretty lumpy year to year. They are expecting um, a pickup for this year. So this is expecting a high crop year this year. Yeah, so it's at the mercy of the weather. I mean, it's, like any ag stock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they have uh, like this two year cycle. Mm. Um, so look, the cash flows, you know, they're generating. If I look at the valuation of this as a 600 million market cap, look, they've got really a good net asset value of 665 as they've reported recently. Um, they've generated, you know, if you add back the depreciation, et cetera, cash generated from operations of 
just under 34 million. Um, and then after tax and uh, interest, uh, you, you know, 27 million. Um, but then you get down to, you know, they're using investing activities, they've invested 36.7 million. So their net cash uh, came down to about 4.7. Uh, I'm just not seeing the return on equity uh, is my biggest concern about investing in this right now. I'd like to see a higher return on equity on their, um, yeah, on, on their results. Uh, and that's what I'm not seeing at the moment. It's not what I call uh, looking at the numbers, a high growth, and it's very volatile as well. So mm. look, it's, it's at best a hold and I'd keep it on the watch list. Yep. Um, okay, that's Cobram Estate Olives. Let's get back into resources. In fact, Latin resources. Uh, Simon wanting to know about this one. Uh, it uh, has uh, deposits in both Brazil and Argentina, also a Kalen deposit in Australia. And uh, David, just looking at the share price, uh, it's up uh, 280% over the past year. Um, yeah. Now, of course, um, you know, just as far as uh, lithium, well, we know that was certainly the flavour of 2022. Yes. Uh, is that going to continue into 2023? Well, good question. Um, it looks that way if you're looking at the trend of lithium. Um, you know, they've got a very good lithium deposit here in Brazil. Um, and they're, uh, you know, aggressively increasing their drilling campaign uh, to 65,000 metres of drilling plan for this year. Um, so they're also, you know, underway looking at fast tracking what they call the um, definitive feasibility study. Um, look there, it's, it's, it looks like a strong resource. I mean, it's not generating, of course, any positive cash flow yet. You're, you're purely buying this on the announcement of their resource and increasing the... Um, their, uh, their, as I said, the resource base. But um, look, it's a speculative buy at best. I think, you know, I think it's got some upside here. They've got some, obviously, they've raised some capital recently, I think, and they're really going out there. They've got 29, or almost $30 million in the bank. They've got a market cap of about 209 million. Um, so again, this is not expected to be in production well the, uh, until you see the definitive feasibility study till I think sometime in the second half of this year is what they're expecting. But look, I, I rate this as a speculative buy. It's in the right sector. It's a hot sector, the, the lithium sector. So, you know, you wouldn't go to Australia buying some here, but mm. as a speculative buy, not uh, investment grade, that's for sure. I'd rather go for, you know, companies like Pilbara, Alkium, uh, that would be my print, or even um, Core Lithium. That'd be my preferences, uh, but this is this is a got some upside potential with their drilling campaign. Yeah, well, on, on that note, in fact, uh, Core today uh, announcing that it has uh, pushed off its first uh, shipment to China. Right. Um, so uh, you're then focused more on the producers rather than those explorers Correct. at the moment. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But again, if you like to play in this space, it looks like it's a good for a lithium play, exploration lithium play. This is um, a speculative buy. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Grady, what are your thoughts? Exactly the same over here. It's a speculative buy of Bell Potter with an increased price tag at 22 cents a share. The company is uh, doing some really exciting things with their drilling campaign and the recent update being that they had a great start with the initial Salinas mineral resource estimate coming in at 1.2% of lithium oxide. So the company, as David said, is in the right sector. It's looking to benefit from this continued growth in the lithium sector. But as David also said, and you also said, the, um, the money and the margins are 
in the production side of lithium, not the exploration side. So understanding that the company is uh, looking to, it's well underway for its uh, de definitive path to development. Uh, and the, the recent results coming in from the, um, the Salinas Mineral Resource Estimate is looking pretty good. Um, there's more drilling to come though, and MET testing and the preliminary economic assessment is set to come in this year though. So understanding that um, the definitive feasibility study is over 2023, 2024, as David said. So knowing that the company is looking, it's looking good as an explorer, um, but it is a spec buy rating with a price target of 22 cents a share. Um, the company had 34 million in cash at the end of September and was debt free, um, but looking at the last year, it burnt through $8 million. And it was gonna obviously need to burn through a little bit more to continue with its drilling campaign. So for us, yeah, it's a speculative buy because of the higher risk associated at the moment and the fact that they're in the exploration, not the production side. Grady, can you tell us what Bell's preferred buyers are in the lithium sector at the moment? Yeah, all chem at the moment. Uh, mineral And mineral resources is one we're watching this year. As we know, mineral resources is what well, was looking to demerge their lithium assets last year and, re and dual list them into the US to better compete with the likes of Piedmont and uh, more specific lithium producers. So that's one we're keeping a very close eye on in 2023. And it's exciting as well, because we know they're a major player in the mining industry. So if they were to demerge them and dual list them, that's a very exciting opportunity for those wanting to invest in mineral resources, lithium asset. All right, good one. Okay, let's now switch into buy now, pay later. Cezil, Austin wanted to know about this. In fact, uh, posted a profit and uh, which could be a first in the sector. Uh, the, the chair and chief executive, Charlie Yukum, uh, saying, uh, to quote him, we believe uh, we're in our first segment to reach profitability, but one month does not make a trend. Our goal for 2023 is to achieve positive net income. So, um, Grady, of course, this was, uh, this was hot once, this sector, but have very much gone <laughs> off the boil and there would be concerns going forward clearly if uh, you know as the economy weakens absolutely well i have um, bell potter don't actually cover this but i've gone with a buy rating and a price target of a dollar and ten per share um currently 42 cents a share just because over the recent times obviously as we know the buy now pay later sector was the hottest sector in 2020 during the pandemic and interest rates were record lows and financing uh, financing growth opportunities was really affordable. But heading to 2022 and the story is a very different story and everyone sold out of the buy now pay later sector. So these are trading at a discount at the moment. Um, I've gone with odd minutes of buy rating just because of the, uh, the beaten down sector at the moment and the fact that this company is really uh, really doing some great things. And in saying that, as you know, they were they posted profitability and became the first pure play buy now pay later company to post a positive net income in November. As you said, though, this doesn't uh, signify a trend, but this comes off the back of the company really instilling some really heavy cost-cutting measures during 2022, and that's obviously what it came off the back of, which gives investors confidence that the company is really, really focused on cost cutting and producing uh, really high value for investors. Um, investors, as we know, sold out of the sector over concerns of profitability because so much money was piling into the financing, really high debt levels for these companies. But says 
took uh, took the notion and said, no, you know what, we're going to cut half of our staff and we're going to cut half our costs and we're going to go forward on that notion. So the company is looking, um, yeah, they cut their headcount by almost half in 2022. So the fact that they're like taking the initiative and going, okay, investors are selling out of the sector, how do we get them back into the sector and achieve profitability? So their goal for 2023 is profitability, our maintained profitability after that November result, which saw them become the first in the sector. Now, Cezor Premium is a really interesting uh, part of the business as well. Um, they've seen a material uplift in the signing up to Cezor Premium subscription. Now, we know tech, st tech stocks and tech companies needed to in introduce that subscription model to remain uh, profitable or relevant in this sector and to get that uh, annual recurring revenue through. So Cezor has jumped on the bandwagon of subscriptions and they've now got 120,000 active subscribers are now recorded on the premium subscription part, which opens up um, exclusive access to features, including discounts on hotels.com, Lowe's. So they're partnering around the world, which is great. So the fact that they've got this going on um, is really, really positive as well. But it was interesting to see they were going to acquire Zip back in 2022, but those talks um, did end just because of the downfall in the sector. But I think 2023 is an exciting time for Sezzle. So I've gone with a buy rating mm. um, and a price target of uh, $1.10 per share. Yep. Okay, interesting. Um, David, do you agree? Because, yeah, it was once such a hot sector, so much, so much speculation in there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how many times I said this when in 2021, when I was looking at this sector, Afterpay and Sezzle and mm. Zip and ridiculous valuations. I mean, this stock, could you believe, was up at around, what, $12, $13, which was valuing it at more than $2 billion, um, And today it's $92 million. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, Look, one, as, you, as, as uh, I think you quoted and the CEO quoted, one month does not make a trend. Mm. Um, so, look, it's not a buy for me. It's it's definitely not investment grade material by my uh, book. In my book, um, you know, it is a speculative. If it's a, if you want to play that space, it's it, you know it could be a turnaround story here. But I prefer um, other other stocks, other sectors uh, than this one right now. If I was going to play in that, I'd probably prefer Zip over over says it's just a bigger bigger play. Uh, but again, it's not it's not a space that I choose to play in. I was looking at the trend here and I thought, geez, what a great short this would have been from the highs. And, and you know, it was, it was predictable. It was probable that this yeah. was going to happen because yeah. uh, it was such a hot sector. And uh, so, yeah, look, for me, um, it's, it's a hold at best and uh, waiting to see the numbers come through, you know, um, to prove that it's not just a one, one month wonder. Yeah, and you'd have to think there'd be further consolidation in the sector too, as it, you know, as Grady referred to, there was initially a target yeah. by Zip, but uh, that all fell over too. And, and they had look, even though they say reported fifty-eight point seven million US in cash, they had fifty-four million uh, drawn line of credit facility. Mm. So you know they've only got only got available line of credit of five million, but I believe they have received another approval for a line of credit of about one hundred ten million. But Look, it's just not a space I'm terribly interested in. Yeah, we yeah. Yeah, obviously have to twist your arm to get back into it. Yeah. I'll get into it at all. All right. Uh, well, speaking of getting back into it, let's go back into lithium. Our next stock is Red Dirt Metals. Uh, Dahlia, I wanted to know about this. Recently signed a memorandum of understanding uh, for a future offtake um, agreement with Vines uh, Energy uh, relates to future um, spodumene concentrate from its project 
at Mount Ida in WA. So David, obviously we've spoken about lithium, where we see that going at the moment, your preferred buyers, but what's your take on red dirt metals? Oh, look, it's very similar to Latin, isn't it? Except it's based in WA, you know, their, their Mount Ida lithium project. Uh, it's got a resource very similar to the one that Latin, in terms of size, 12.7 million tonnes of 1.2% uh, lithium. Um, you know, look, there, it, it, it does look attractive um, in terms of, again, the size of the resource. Um, it's also um, 192 million market cap. I don't like the trend of this stock. It's it, at best, it's a hold or, you know, if again, if you want to play that space in terms of exploration, it's a speculative buy. They do. They did have uh, $18.7 million in the bank. Uh, now, here's a comparison. I gave you New Century, mm. which is 130 million market cap. This is 192 million market cap. Yeah. No positive cash flow. Mm. I mean, and, and New Century's got 108, nearly 109 million. Yeah, I mean, you know. Doesn't make sense. It, yeah, it, it's just, you know. But again, it's the it's that space, isn't it? You know, and, and Spotamine, as you said, the prices have gone from December 21, from about 2,000 uh, a tonne US to where it is today, around 8,000. So mm. it's a very strong demand. But again, what's the, what's the lead time from them going from, you know, dis- discovery, which they've proven up, they've got a, a resource there, obviously. Um, but how long is it going to take before they get into production? So, you know, it's not, again, one that I would choose to play in. I'd rather go for the, the producers, the ones that are already delivering, because you don't know. So one thing I do like about what the, the management said about this is they recognise timing is everything, okay? So it is all about timing. So they, you know, they do want to get things moving as quickly as possible while you've got these elevated prices, because who knows what's going to happen in the next 12 months? You know, yeah. no, no one's got a crystal ball. But um, again, look, it's a speculative buy or hold at best. All right. Yeah, Grady, what are your thoughts? Yeah, speculative buy from Bell was with a price target of 85 cents a share. Now, the company is really focused on rapidly advancing its Mount Ida lithium project, as we spoke about, um, towards production, which is aimed for the start of the first quarter of CY24. So it is a little while away, but uh, in no, at, at the same time, it is speculative just because, we, as David said, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what the outlook is for lithium moving forward. Now, the company is primed for a big 2023, though, in the fact that they do have that non-binding memorandum of understanding for product offtake and a $60 million capital raising they announced recently um, just to fund their growth outlook and their growth plans for Mount Ida and the Yinathara lithium projects. Now, the Mount Ida project is on granted mining lease and is leveraging this by ambitiously targeting the first quarter of CY24 for production. So as long as they're sticking on track with with investment in mining, we know investors look for on-budget and on-track track or on time so understanding this and knowing this uh, that as long as the company sticks to this as a first quarter of CY24 investors could have some pretty good outlook um, heading into the next year or next calendar year a year from obviously right now um, in knowing the cat they do have some big catalysts for CY23 though um, being that the mineral the mineral resource upgrade uh, following the completion of resource definition drilling so we need to see the out, uh, the outlook of that um, the new flow news flow from the Yenathara lithium project commences in the first quarter of CY23 and continues throughout the year so Investors will be keeping a really close eye on this. So at the moment, it's a speculative buy just because they're in that exploration drilling phase, not in production just yet. 
All right. Well, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. Now, we began with our supervised rather than stock of the day. These are compelling stocks, at least from our experts' point of view. And Grady picked uh, Arafura Rare Earths. Um, Gina Hancock likes it. She's bought into it. Uh, she... Um, Bell have a price target of 70 cents, currently at 45 cents. Uh, so that's a great super buy. For David, he picked New Century Zinc, uh, which uh, is not just zinc, but also copper, a bit of gold as well. Um, 85 cents price target uh, by some of the brokers there at $4. So uh, he uh, sees there that that is compelling value. All right, and into the stocks as picked by you. There we can see XTech was the first one. And here's one for the investment committee to consider because it's a double buy for both. It is a micro cap uh, defense tech specialist. Um, David points out it's got positive cash flow, although it is quite illiquid. So that's uh, one to uh, be wary of. And Grady, the bill price target there at 95 cents, currently 58 cents. Uh, Cobram Estate Olives, a buy from Grady. Um, it uh, and uh, from David, it is a hold. Latin resource. We've got a couple of uh, lithium stocks to consider here. That was the first one. Uh, Specky buy from both. In fact, uh, both preferring all cameras. There picks there. David also mentioning Pilbara and Core and Grady watching uh, mineral resources. Sizzle in the buy now pay later space. Uh, David, well, I think we'd have to twist his arm to get into that at this point, given how far they've all fallen. Um, so no, he's not really considering it all, whereas uh, Gray does have violent, given how far it has fallen. Currently at 44 cents, price target there of $1.10. And another lithium stock to consider, Red Dirt Metals, uh, hold from David, possibly a spec buy, and it is a spec buy from Grady. All right, so... Uh, of course, the call is tracking our high conviction fund. That's picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at ospice.com. Checking in on the update to going into December and the new year, BAPCOR and Domino's were removed. Index and Janison Education were added. And the elders, the weighting there was increased. Checking in on its performance. And uh, thus far on a cumulative return basis, I think, uh, in fact, I don't have that number. I think we're, well, there we go, 5.6% since the beginning of March. So keep sending in the requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Well, next, the second half of the show, we're going to be taking a look at AFT Pharma, E-Road, Harvey Norman, Temple and Webster, and Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. So first two, uh, AFT Pharma, uh, with the ticket code AFP, in fact. Uh, this is a New Zealand-based um, pharmaceutical company. Um, sells, uh, I guess, mainly into Australia and New Zealand with a bit of Southeast Asia and Europe as well. Uh, so it's focusing on its export business there. Uh, Grady, what can you tell us about AFT, AFT Pharma? 
AFT is a hold rating with a price target downgraded recently by Bells to $3.16 from $4. Now, this is just on the back of the first half earnings results for the company. Um, the company did have operating expenses increase by 19% and underlying profit declined to $2.1 million from $3.4 million. Um, this was because of increased marketing and distribution costs. So the company does sell globally. There are 130 proprietary branded and generic products through its sales to Australia, New Zealand, has offices in Southeast Asia, Europe. So it has really good growth opportunity, but with costs increasing, that's not a very good thing heading into 2023, especially with investors looking for really, really positive or really, really strong operational performance. And so the fact that the company's costs are increasing both on marketing and distribution fronts is not a great thing. Um, revenues from product sales increased 30% though, and it's especially that's been especially driven by over-the-counter um, category in Australia and New Zealand. And um, we are seeing an increase a return to normal of pre-COVID activity levels. So that is coming down just because during COVID we saw so many sales on the front of the cold and flu tablets and um, anything that could prevent us getting COVID-19. So the fact that it's coming down to normal levels is um, is obviously not a great thing for the company. Um, the company also, it's important to note that Bell Potter has de decreased its profit guidance from 20, uh, for, to around 27 to $32 million. This is because Bell Potter assumed this included an item of commercialization for the company, the Maxi-Jesic IV, um, I think it's Maxi-Jesic 4 um, in the US, but the FDA has since issued a response letter saying that um, the income for this has been delayed. So the commercialization milestone has been delayed. So um, understanding this has been decreased, a decrease for operating profit range for Bell Potter, just because this was expected to come in in this year and it's not expected or they haven't given a time frame update so at the moment it's a it's a hold rating from bell potter okay and uh ignore that chart we had up that is wrong i think it's uh it was sitting at uh i don't know it's trading is it three dollars forty it's been flat for the three dollars forty at the moment yeah, yeah for the last uh month essentially um david what can you tell us about it oh, this is an avoid for me right and a sell um, <laughs> right. it's just I did not like anything about this company whatsoever. Uh, the valuation is just way too excessive, 357 million. Uh, look, they've got some interesting products that they're distributing. I think the one that, uh, you know, important products uh, like for pain, um, Maxagesic and um, other products that they've, I, I won't go through the whole list of them. Uh, look, and they have, they've had some really good, strong operating revenue growth, but I don't see it going to the bottom line. It just doesn't translate. For me um and again the net equity of this business is 58 million i mean look at these numbers okay you've got um revenue up for six months to the september 30 uh, 2022 up 18 percent in comparative to the previous year to 65.7 million but operating profit um down 37 percent to 3.4 million and then after tax 1.4 million i mean give me a break it's just like Really, uh, and, and the liquidity of this stock, it's, it trades at about $6,000 worth of shares mm. average every day. Yeah, hence so that flat line we've seen over the past so month. Is, so this is like a lobster pot to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you might be able to get in, but try and get out. Yeah, right. Right. So look, I, I just, there's nothing, nothing I can I just, yeah, to me, I see it next, you know. All right, so uh, yeah. if you don't own it, avoid it. If you yeah. do own it, sell it. It's, I, I would definitely, if yeah. you can. 
Okay, well, a diversity yeah. of opinion right there for AFT Pharma. All right, uh, let's take a look at our next one. It is E-Road. It's uh, telematics. That enables um, fleet managers and drivers to, well, it's all about those metrics of improving safety, streaming business operations and the like. Um, interestingly, uh, one of the calls regulars, Claude Walker, has called this stock his biggest mistake of 2022, <laughs> uh, given it was unprofitable. Um, it stopped growing and there's no operating leverage there. So uh, interesting that Claude has called this one out. You take a look at the chart, it's pretty ugly looking. So David, what are your thoughts? Oh, it's horrible. Avoid, move, you know, just move terrible. along. <laughs> right. I, yeah, can you believe this stock was over? I was just looking at the chart in 2021, peaked at $6, yeah. $6. I mean, even still got a market cap of 93 million, um, the revenue, it's, it's terrible. Uh, like everything, I mean, it's got a net asset backing of 16 cents. They had an operating loss of 5.7 million. An interesting net profit looks like after tax of 500,000. This is for the six months. But look, everything, I mean, the liquidity, uh, this has got higher average daily liquidity than the previous stock we talked about, $8,000 worth of shares traded every day. What is there to like about this? I just, yeah, the trend's horrible. Um, and no signs of a turnaround. No signs of a turnaround to me. So it's yeah. like a complete avoid as far as I'm concerned. Well, what are those, so it's a classic case then, I guess, of a red flag of what, what do you look for if you're in a stock and you see it's in that downtrend and you look at the fundamentals? I mean, at what point do you say, I've got to cut my losses and get out? Well, this is where I combine technical, a technical analysis for fundamentals. The technicals are the overriding for me over everything. In other words, when the chart tells me get out, you mm. get out. When the trend changes, you've got to have an exit strategy. A lot of investors out there, and I've been teaching for 27 years, investors how to combine the, the, the technicals, knowing when to get in, but most importantly, what's your exit strategy, stop loss. Mm. And you know, for me, I'm looking at this chart, I can tell you the stop loss in this chart was um, about $5.80. That's where you should have gotten out by my rules, $5.80, and never gotten back into it again, just from a technical perspective. And again, that's, that's the thing I've learned in, what, nearly 40 years, 35, 40 years, is that timing is everything. I mean, everyone's got an opinion, you know, who's right or who's wrong. But when you can combine that with a company that's generating strong revenue and growth and has good, a good growth outlook, whatever service or commodity they're in, that's what I'm looking for and a positive trend. And that's, that's the, the bottom line for me that I've learned is, you know, when the trend's not your friend, mm. except there are the exceptions like I was giving when you got a stock, you know, there's exceptional stocks opportunities. When I was saying about New Century, the trend has been horrible yeah. since last year, but the fundamentals are very strong. Um, so Yep, well, easy to get in. But uh, always difficult to know when to get out. But, but you've, well, it, it's not when you know the charts. When you know that yeah. when when you look at a chart and you look at the moving averages and you know exactly where to get out, that's your exit point, regardless yeah. of anybody else's opinion. Yeah. And that's what I've learned. And you would have saved yourself a lot of money <laughs> on this stock. That's for sure. All right, uh, Grady, is there anything to like about E-Road? Oh, I think. Sorry, we lost you for a moment. Start again. That's right. Controversially, Bill has a buy rating on this, oh, but a downgraded right. price target to two dollars and twenty cents 
from $2.50. The key reasons for the buy rating is that it's down 83% over the last year. So it's trading at a very heavy discount. And there is slight good news that um, David may have missed, but there is tiny little bits of good news that Bell sees in the fact that um, the contract unit, contracted units increased 4.2% on the half, which was good. And they're seeing continued growth or good growth in New Zealand and North America. So these two areas are the, the markets that they're seeing a good growth in and over the next year. And the company has also announced they're doing a major cost-cutting program, which is looking to benefit financially into the second half of FY23 and beyond. Um, Bells do did also note, though, that the company has pushed out its revenue target of 250 million New Zealand dollars. So they did target this before FY25, but they've now pushed it out beyond that. So um, that is obviously not a great thing to see. But I think at the moment, Bell's buy rating is due to the heavily discounted share price at the moment and uh, slight growth opportunities in New Zealand and North America. All right, you can see the positives, uh, commendable. Uh, but uh, a, <laughs> a considerable diversity of opinion right there with E-Road. All right, let's uh, get into uh, the retailer Harvey Norman. And uh, Isaac wanted about this. It um, market cap of around uh, five and a half billion. Uh, attractive dividend. Grady, I guess we also, given it's the furniture and home goods uh, retailer, do need to be wary about where the economy is going and how that's likely to affect Harvey Norman. Absolutely. Well, Bells don't cover this, but City has a buy rating with a price target of $4.70. Now, it's um, Australia's larger, one of the largest um, based multinational retailer of furniture, hardware, um, technology and everything. And we know it was one of the one of the darling stocks of the pandemic because so many people decided to use their travel funds to um, renovate their homes and redo decor in the home. So, it was one of the darling stocks back in the day, but shares are down 18% over the last year, but notably did rise 5% in December. And that's because Australian sale, Australian revenue rose 9.1% over the quarter and 8.8% on the same store basis. And CEO Jerry Harvey said sales of big screen TVs are very strong. So, and they were expecting a really strong Christmas season. So understanding that we're actually just waiting for their um, trading update to see how well they did fare in the Christmas period. Um, consensus heading into FY23, though, is expected for softer trading in the second half of FY23, given the accumulated impact of interest rates and normalisation of travel activity. So a lot of people are shifting back their money and funds to travel as opposed to redecorating their homes because they did do that back in the pandemic when the lockdowns were around. So at the moment, it's a buy rating just because share prices, the share price is down and the company remains resilient in this time and had a really strong uh, December quarter. So um, that's why it's a buy rating at the moment. Okay, David, do you agree? I do like Harvey Norman. I think that it's compelling value down here. But again, with all the other concerns going forward about the economy, inflation, rising interest rates, the property market, you know, consumer demand like discretion, as a discretionary spending, and like Grady pointed out, that more money is now being spent on overseas travel. But I've got to say, down here, I, I, it, it, it's also remembering... Harvey Norman is just not a retail. They've got about $3.5 billion in property, property. as well. Mm. Now, they've, they've shown continued good growth. Of, I think the latest numbers were 6.9% uh, increase for, for um, I'm just looking at the numbers again. 
for from July 22 to 31st of July 22 to 31st of October 22 is up 6.9. That's pretty good. So look, I'm expecting they're going to come out with a good result. But importantly, they're increasing. They're actually um, expanding into Malaysia, which they see significant growth opportunities. So they've grown from um, they're looking at growing from presently from 28 stores to 80 stores by the end of 2028. So, you know, they've grown to 28 stores in the last five years, but they see that as a, as a big growth area. Ireland is not doing so well. Um, they're still doing okay in places like Slovenia and Croatia um, and um, slightly in Singapore. They've closed a store in Singapore and New Zealand. Okay, but mostly it's the Australian franchises, but the growth seems to be really picking up in Malaysia. Um, for that reason, I, look, I, I'm not adverse to a buy rating here. Mm. And it's amazing how much Harvey Norman had made in record profits during COVID. I mean, they paid off all their debt. So they're a very strong financial position. Yep. But they made over half a billion dollars net profit after tax. Mm. Well, controversially, when it, it was getting its, uh, its help from the government at the same time. Yeah, well, they also paid back, I think, I believe, uh, yep. a bit of those funds. But it was really the retail side that just incredible, um, their numbers. Anyway. All right. I, yeah. Well, that is another one for the investment committee to consider because that's a double buy for Harvey Norman. Well, let's stay in that space, uh, but online with Temple and Webster. Uh, Tony wants to know about this. It is the online uh, furniture uh, business. And once again, its stock boomed over the course of COVID as we sought to stock up our homes with all pieces of furniture. Uh, although it has since uh, come off, uh, particularly, I guess, with weaker uh, consumer demand and uh, obviously the housing market coming off at the same time. So, David, different story for Temple and Webster? Yeah, it's a much smaller company. It's only mm. about uh, just under 600 million compared to you know, uh, nearly five and a half billion for Harvey Norman. Look, they, they have a very strong online presence. Uh, you know, they had fantastic growth over the years. Uh, the valuation uh, is a little bit stretched for me. I know it's come down a, a lot already. Couldn't believe what again what what um, investors were paying for this stock, as you can see back then last year. But uh, it was way overvalued. It's still on a very high multiple, as far as I'm concerned. Um, look, the the return on equity has come down a bit over the last couple of years. Obviously, it surged during the pandemic, but it's come down from about 36% to about 13%. So, um, and also, I, I can't see where they, they haven't paid a dividend. So look, uh, my preference is Harvey Norman over this, I think on value. Um, but again, they've got a really strong line on, on strong online presence. Um, you know, they've got some good marketing that they're taking on for this year. Um, expectations of further revenue growth and customer growth of 21%. So look, it looks good from that. It's just the valuation of mm. the company for me, um, I would rather, yeah, Harvey Norman over this one. Yep. Just, um, yeah. Okay. okay. Grady, Templar Webster. The nail on the head there. Um, it's a hold rating from Bell Potter with a price target of $6 per share, simply as David said, because it surged during the pandemic as an, as an online leader. Um, and now it's looking to, it's obviously coming back. And Harvey Norman has such a strong name in the Australia and global market, really. And uh, whereas Temporal Webster is such a smaller company. Um, as David did also mention, that the company is trading at a 20 times enterprise value to earnings ratio, which is a little more pricey than the sector. The average sector is around 14 
2.7. So given this, it means investors are expecting a lot more from the company as opposed to its peers because it's a leader in the online space, but it's not actually delivering that. So um, for us, it's a hold rating just because the retail sector is being hit so hard, especially on the furniture front and the, um, and yeah, on the furniture front, um, especially as interest rates continue to rise and consumers are spending their money on traveling as, a, as opposed to redecorating their homes. Um, the stock is a competitor, is a leading, is a leader in the industry though. So understanding that it is looking to do, it, it will do better than its peers and it has a discounted share price right now down around 47% this year. But um, Bellpot expects sales to rise in excess of $6 billion over the next six years with higher margins than pre-COVID. But yeah, as David said, it's trading at too high a multiple and um, yeah, it's, it's not as good as Harvey Norman. Mm, okay. Sorry, David, what was your rating on a stock then? Uh, for me, uh, it, it's, um, well, it's a sell. I'd, I'd, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's not, a, it, not even a hold. It'd be a sell for me. All right, okay. All right, finally, let's uh, get into uh, Paradigm Biopharmaceutical. Uh, it is a, uh, it's a drug development company, and it's uh, commercialising, we're looking to commercialise its treatment for pain associated with... Uh, uh, musculoskeletal uh, skeletal, uh, disorders uh, from injury, inflammation, ageing, uh, particularly in the knees. Yeah, I reckon I'm a candidate going forward. Uh, but uh, of course, it's got to commercialise its product. Um, and I think it's got a patent approval in the States. Grady, what are your thoughts on Paradigm? It's a spec buy from Bell Potter with a price target of $2.20 a share. Now, the company is in its late stage drug development on its mission to commercialise its uh, product from pain-associated pain uh, with musculoskeletal disorders, injury, uh, inflammation, ageing and degeneration. Now, the company is, um, the, the data that, the analysis that Bell Potter has on this is rich in new data for FY23. So they're looking for that long-term efficacy data. Um, so they are well funded in the midst of an extensive clinical trial program investigating the efficacy of their lead drug candidate, the xylosol, for the treatment of pain and underlying disease in osteoarthritis. Now, the company recently reported headline data from their um, synovial fluid biomarker trial, OA008, um, and for the, for the six to 12 month efficacy, and the report is due late in uh, the first quarter of CY23. Now, understanding this, it's, um, it's really interesting because a lot of uh, the recent study said that ibuprofen and non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, including the likes of ibuprofen, um, are commonly prescribed for osteoarthritis pain. However, there's no data showing that there's long-term effects on the, from these drugs in the disease program. So this really puts xylosol in a really strong position to be taken up as the drug for osteoarthritis, should it progress through these clinical trials. So um, moving forward, it is a, it is speculative buy rating just because the clinical trials are still underway, but there is favorable tailwinds in the fact that their ibuprofen and non-steroid drugs uh, are having little effect on osteoarthritis mm. pain pain management. So right. xylosol, if it gets through, then it will be really, really strong. Yep, okay, interesting. David. Yeah, look, I, I have it as a spec buy as well. Um, you know, they did a capital raising um, in the previous quarter, September quarter, they raised $65 million. So they got a good cash kitty at the moment of $92 million. That was at the end of September. Um, they're spending, the, the cash burn is something like 9 to $10 million per quarter. So they've got uh, quite a bit of time on their hands now to um, 
continue doing their research and development. This, uh, look, Grady obviously knows a lot more about the, the products than I do, but the, the, this apparently they just had an announcement at the end of December about a stage three clinical trial to proceed without modification following a formal safety review by the data monitoring committee. So uh, this, this, this product, so that's a big tick mm. that they- so It's classic case though with these companies and they're gonna jump through so many hoops. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they've spent so much money. They, mm. This company has been on a real roller coaster ride. But I gotta say down here, I, I must say it looks like a good spec buy opportunity, mm. particularly that they had this announcement at the end of December getting to this uh, phase three clinical trial without this, without modification. Look, I mean, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> analysis, you need to talk to a, a biological scientist or someone, yeah. or the CEO. Yeah. But anyway, it looks compelling down here as a spec buy and an important area of health. All right, Yeah. good one. Let's uh, sum up then the second half of the show. We began with AFT Pharma. A hold from Grady. David, though, no, doesn't like it. Uh, excessive valuation, he says, and avoid, or in fact, sell it. Um, E-Road, uh, this is one that Claude Walker is his biggest regret of 2022, having got into it. Uh, it is unprofitable. Uh, David pointing out terrible revenue. Uh, it isn't a void from him. Whereas Grady sees a different story. He is uh, embarking on cost-cutting signs of growth, particularly OS. Uh, should uh, Bell have a buy on it with a price target of $2.20. The retailer Harvey Norman, uh, it is a buy from both. Um, expecting, well, David saying compelling valuation here at the moment. It's also expanding, particularly into Malaysia. Uh, and also in the retail space, Temple and Webster. Um, David talking about a stretch valuation there. Uh, he does prefer Harvey Norman in that space. He would sell it, whereas uh, Grady has a hold on Temple and Webster. And just finally there, Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. It's a spec buy from both. All right. That is the show. Thanks to our guests. Uh, Grady, thanks for joining us in Bell Direct. Thanks for having me. Good one. And David from Wealthwise Education. Pleasure. My pleasure. Good Thank one. you. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at TV. Uh, stay with us. Nadine Blaney will be joined now by uh, Bar Bellarox, uh, Managing Director, to discuss the company's recent acquisition in Argentina. That's on the small caps. Stay with us. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe.